Welcome to Leadership Lessons. I'm Todd Gray, the Executive Director for the Kentucky Baptist Convention. Leadership Lessons is a program where we talk to faithful leaders who are making an impact for the gospel. My guest today is Jeff Knopfsinger, pastor of Drippin' Spring Baptist Church in Olmstead, Kentucky, Logan County. And Brother Jeff, it's good to see you, good to be with you. How are you, how are you doing? How are things going? Doing well, staying warm and uh, just uh, navigating through this. Jeff is uh, brother to Kyle Knopfsinger. Some of you all know, know Kyle. Jeff, who, are you the better looking of the brothers or the smarter? Which one are you? I'm going to lay all that over to him. You are so good, man. I, every, I mean, almost every time we talk, I'll give you a chance to say something. But you are the you are the best big brother I think I've ever seen. In all sincerity, there's there's no doubt that you. I saw some pictures I think on Facebook of you and Kyle when you were little boys, and um, and you you've taken that role and really really lived it out as a as a caring and protective big brother. So uh, kudos to you and good job. I, I appreciate that about you. Thank you. Jeff, tell us some things about yourself. Uh, where did you where'd you grow up? I grew up in a wonderful little community called Nelson Creek, uh, just outside of Central City, between uh, Central City and Beaver Dam, Kentucky, in Muhlenberg County. And uh, David and Penny Knopfsinger, my parents, and uh, um, went to Nelson Creek Baptist Church. Um, you've already mentioned Kyle, my brother, but we also have another brother, Brian, who's in between Kyle and I. Okay. And uh, he uh, is uh, uh, an employee of Logan Aluminum here in the county that I'm pastoring. But uh, he still lives in Central City. So you grew up in Muhlenberg County, attending Nelson Creek Baptist. Has some, there's some good pastors that have come through Nelson yes. Creek. So you grew up hearing some good preaching. At what age did you start sensing that you were lost and, and need to be saved? And then when did you become a Christian? Well, I th- the first time I ever really considered it, or I guess you could say not considered it would be a good word, but felt it was around age six but um it was more of an emotional type thing uh, at age six because as you said I, I grew up under some very great preaching and um the holy spirit you know was speaking and i, I went through the motions uh, you know i i prayed and and i was baptized and part of the church but it was at age 10 uh that i remember speaking to my mother one night as i was laying down to go to bed and, and i had some uncertainty in my heart about it and, and things. And I remember talking to, okay. he was our interim pastor at the time. And uh, he shared with me one Sunday afternoon, the gospel again, afresh and clear. And it was then that I was, I was saved and uh, uh, was baptized and uh, part of Nelson Creek Baptist Church till I began serving in, in ministry. How did the, the call to ministry come to you? How'd you, how'd you recognize that uh, God was leading you to serve in a different kind of way? In all honesty, it was probably in the in the early to, to mid nineties that I, I never could put my finger on it, but I knew that God was speaking to me. Uh, there were some things that in my life that didn't work out the way that I thought and hoped and wished that it would. There was even some setbacks and I couldn't understand it. I didn't know, know why. Um, but, uh, I remember just knowing, um, for sure, uh, knowing around 1995 that that's what God wanted me to do. But, um, I'm ashamed to say that I ran from it for a couple of years and yeah. um, in some ways ran pretty hard, uh, from it, uh, not in a rebellious, sinful way as meaning getting out into the world and per se, I mean, but it was just, just denying the call, so to speak, not answering the call. 
when you were when you were what you describe as running from it, that, that's an interesting thing to me because I, I think I've seen some guys that that wasn't my story, but I've always I've heard lots of others that it was, and it's not one better or another. I'm not getting at that, but how how did that express itself? So were you just uncomfortable when you knew God was calling you? Were you were you a, did you become a critic? Some some guys have become critical church members when God's mm-hmm. calling them. I was very busy serving the Lord. Uh, I worked with our youth on Sunday nights. Uh, I was church clerk, Um, you know, did did lots of things. Sunday school director for a while uh, and things such as that. I really wasn't ever, I don't think it was ever critical of the church. Uh, It was just more of fear, Um, you know, and I look back at it now and I think, you know, look, I I grew up in a Christian home. I learned the love of the word of God from my mother uh, by watching her read the Bible, not just yeah. Not just knowing that she did, but I watched her, would see her read the Bible. Uh, I learned the importance of prayer by listening to my dad say the blessing every time before we sit down to eat. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I had all that. I had a, a great church uh, that I grew up in. Uh, but, you know, we I was still a newlywed. And, and I don't know. I just I wanted to think that there was maybe other things, but there wasn't. And uh, when I finally did. Uh, surrender and and begin uh it's been the greatest experience and joy of my life yeah well you're you're man you're a great pastor and god obviously led you through that time let me tell folks some things about you jeff they're true married to, to dana right uh, father to katie who's 20 and kara is it 18 mm-hmm. uh, grew up in muhlenberg county as you said uh, likes to play racquetball uh, you've been at dripping spring for 17 and a half years as yes. their pastor so praise the lord for that that uh, tenure, but you were first a vocational evangelist before you were pastoring a church, if I, if I understand right. Um, one of the one of the books that you mentioned that was impactful to you was Ten Secrets for a Successful Family by Charles Stanley. I remember seeing that you've had Fred Luter and Junior Hill to preach at, at uh, Drippin' Spring. You're all the time bringing in big name preachers, currently in a building program, and has already said big brother to, to Kyle. Let me ask you a couple of questions about those things. So uh, bringing in guys like Fred Luter and Junior Hill, I mean, those are those are big name preachers. They preach all over the country. Um, why why have you wanted to have guys like that? Not just because they're, you know, of their name recognition per se, but you just see the evidence of God's anointing on their lives. Um, yeah. You see what God has done, you know, through them and with them. And, you know, that those guys had to be obedient. They had to be, you know, submissive servants. And, you know, I I want my, I want our congregation, the people that I pastor, I want them to hear the the, the greatest of preaching and teaching of the word of God. And, uh, you know, as a pastor, I want to be that, but also know that there are some guys that, uh, man, they, they, they've been to places or they're in places now that I've not, you know, yet gotten to. And I, I want to learn as well. I want to, I want to grow from that and through that. And so, um, you know, I, that's why I enjoy bringing in guys uh, like that. And, you know, it's not just well-known people. There there are other guys, um, you know, Bob Morrison, Steve yep. Rutherford, um, you know, uh, other other guys here that, that just really uh, have blessed my heart uh, immensely with their preaching and teaching. You know, you mentioned uh, um, in an earlier conversation, you know, Gary, Gary Taylor, 
you know, yep. Gary's been very successful where he's been at in both places. And, yep. you know, I've watched and, and, and learned from that in, in many respects. And so I appreciate uh, guys that, you know, have been doing what they've been doing for quite a while and, and, and been uh, used by God. In that way. Gary has stayed a long time in mm-hmm. the, the two churches he served. I, I spoke to him this week and he's been at, um, at, at Olive Branch and Hanson. I forget how many years, but a good number of years similar to you. 17 and, years this month. Okay. Uh, I, yeah, I came in um, in uh, September of '03 here to Dripping Spring, and I think it was February of '04 that he came to uh, uh, Olive Branch. So th- that's interesting to me. I, I grew up attending church, and and I'm like you. I made a I made a kind of an emotional profession of faith at around age nine, but I was saved later on. But um, our pastors never stayed very long. They they would stay a year, eighteen months, or two years, and and move on quickly. But in Muhlenberg County, man, there's been a lot of pastors that stayed a long time at yeah. churches. Has that it? Did it? Did that culture or atmosphere influence you? Yeah, uh, it, it did. Now, the first church I pastored was was New Cypress Baptist Church, mm-hmm. and I was there for three and a half years. And um, I, I have to say that they were probably they were as good to a pastor as they ever could be with with Dana and I. Yeah, and. Um, I enjoyed it and appreciated it and was thankful for it uh, and things. But, you know, God called me here and uh, you know that in and of itself is a long story. But um, God called me here and, you know, I've, I've just never been one to feel like that, you know, going from place to place is, you know, that is how I can be effective. And you weren't you weren't trying to leave New Cyprus when you were called. Mm-hmm. I'd liken it, Jeff, as you're a, you're a worker in, a, in somebody else's field and the landowner knows knows where you are and he can move you when he wants to. Yeah. So there, there are pastors who will watch this who right now are wrestling with the call of God. They're trying to decide, am I at the right place? Do I just need to stay put and, and tough it out? It's kind of difficult or do I need to be open to a next position? How did how did you know it was time to go to that next that next place where you ended up right now? Well, for one thing, I wasn't looking to leave. Um, but uh, I had had some experiences there, uh, good ones, experiences there that uh, uh, taught me some things, of course. And um, when, when Dripping Spring called, uh, initially, I was supposed to have come like in May of that year. I got cold feet. Uh, yeah. It wasn't that I was not wanting to be here, but it was just fear of the unknown. And that's that's. Uh, throughout my life as well as my ministry is I'll know what God wants me to do but I'll put it off as long as I can sometimes and and I'm going to tell you when you do that there can be some disappointments and um and and so but coming to to Dripping Spring um I remember someone told me you know Jeff if you go there in two years you're going to be looking to go home Mm. Um, I am as rural as rural can get in Kentucky. You've been yeah. out here. Yeah. I mean, I pastor on Watermelon Road. Watermelon okay. Road. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, we're we're short two staff members right now. Um, we, we, we're still looking for a youth pastor, and our committee is uh, aggressively and diligently in, in prayer and, and talks with uh, someone right now. But we're without an administrative assistant. Uh, there's four offices. I was looking around just a while ago, and there's four offices here, and there's only one pastor here right now, and um, and things. But I want to be here. I know God has got me here, 
And um, as far as I'm concerned, these are the greatest people you know in the world to work with. So that doesn't mean that we're perfect and that we have sure. uh, don't have our uh, struggles and issues from time to time. But uh, I just I love this area and I love these these people and I love this church. You're, you're good. You're a good pastor and you've done a good job at dripping at Driven Spring. So when when you said that it was um, you, you had to you had to work through it, you felt like you got cold, you, you got cold feet. Um, how did that how did that show up? I mean, did you just like, man, I just don't know if God's in this or and then how did you end up working through it to get to a place of settled peace where you knew you could say yes to that that call? When I told the committee initially first, no, I knew when I hung the phone up that I'd done the wrong thing. Really? Yes, I, wow. I did. Uh, I, it, I mean, we, this was going to require us to move. Okay. Right. When I w- went to New Cyprus there in Greenville, I, I already lived in Greenville. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was going to be living in my own home. I, I was, I was, you know, in the area and the people and the place that my wife and I both had grown up in. And even though it was just a 41 mile move, uh, it it was just it was just um, I don't I can't really explain it. But I knew when I hung the phone up and I went and I told my wife that I you know said I, I'm not going to go. Uh, you know the Lord convicted me of it, wow. and I tried for a few weeks to you know move on, but the Lord wouldn't wouldn't let me. And I never will forget this. Uh, my wife one night it was after church. Uh, one Sunday night, and it was a uh, nice weather outside, but I was inside. I was in the recliner, and I, I'll just be honest with you, I was mad. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't mad at her. I wasn't, I, I just, uh, I was just mad. Sure. And she was in the hall in the closet looking for something, and she just began to break down and cry. Wow. And I didn't even look over her way because I knew what she was going to tell me, but uh, she said, we're not supposed to be here. Wow. And uh, I knew that, and um but she begged me to call the church back and i was like i now i i don't i don't feel comfortable saying hey i you know i want to come back or i want another opportunity but i never will forget our director of missions roger skipworth at the time i know roger yeah he called me one day i was at work and uh he called me and what are you doing said, well i'm working he said can you come by the office and i said oh yeah and uh long long story short he told me that uh the church dripping spring had asked him if he knew of anyone and that someone had mentioned they wished that i wouldn't have told them no and i i can't tell you i mean the relief wow. the joy that you know and he said well you need to call them i said no i'm not going to call them i just don't feel like i he said well i'll call them then yeah <laughs> and I then love uh, roger Oh, fantastic guy! And uh, well, Jeff, so encouraging. You know, I, I mean, when when da- when you said Dana's reaction, I'm thinking Dana don't want to be in in Jonah's ship with you with, with this no. with you saying no. And but man, how gracious is God that He yeah. allowed you to 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 wait on that, and then for the church to reach back out back out to you. Well, and and I did. I had uh, Johnny Garrett who uh, passed away a few years ago. He was a deacon here. And he and I talked about it one time and uh, he said, you know, he said, I'll be honest with you. He said, when you said no initially, um, you know, um, we, you know, I pretty much wrote you off mm-hmm. uh, and things. But uh, he said when the committee said that, you know, they've been in talks with you again, he said, I, he said, I had my, my wonders and my doubts. But he said, uh, you know, the Lord revealed to him and told, you know, and said that uh, uh, this is what needs to happen. And, you know, so. I left New Cyprus on Sunday morning, 
August 31st of 2003, and I came that Wednesday night here to Dripping Spring. <laughs> you need to get over uh, there pretty quick. You, yeah, you, you didn't need to wait any longer. Well, you know, the good thing about that is that it, there's no doubt that call was so solidified during that during that time. And so since then, I mean, every ministry is difficult. So my guess is that when you've had problems at the church, that you always had to say, man, I've got problems, but I know God called me here. Is that, is yeah. that true? Absolutely. But also I know this that whatever problems we have at Dripping Spring, and when I say problems, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you understand where I'm just coming from. Just challenges, just ministry the challenges. The, yeah. the normal everyday week to week challenges. Every when day. we have those, the, the truth and the reality of it is, I could go somewhere else, but it's gonna be the same problems with different faces. Absolutely. Same those problems with different families. Every, uh, pastor who's, every pastor who's moved multiple times gets there and is like, Hey, I know this guy. He had a different name and looked different in the last church, but he's. I can't I can't say enough, you know, about. You know, Dripping Spring has been so good to us and, um, you know, and and like I said, it's not doesn't mean we haven't had our challenges and our, our, our uh, um, difficulties, but uh, I'm just I'm just very thankful for what God has done and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do. Well, it's an exciting place, Jeff, and you I mean, you say that a, a, a church that's alive is worth the drive. I think I've heard you say mm -hmm. that, and, you know, doesn't matter where you're located, there's, God seems to be at work at, at Dripping Spring. So let's talk a little bit about the church. So you've described it as as, uh, as rural. Closest town is Russellville? Russellville. Yeah, ten, how far are you from Russellville? Uh, the, we're 10 miles from the square. Okay. And Watermelon Road, so I mean, I've driven out there. I like to ride bicycles, and when I drove out a while back, I thought, man, this is a good place. Big flat highways, and one. Well, yeah, and and you know, every year they they didn't do it this past year, of course, because of COVID. But the uh, tobacco festival in October, they have a lot of other events leading up to that, and one of them is a big bike ride. And Dripping Spring is the starting point for a, a large, massive bike ride out through these roads and, and in this area. And so bikers from all over the county, as well as some other areas, uh, they come and, and they start from here and they register here. We, we open up our facilities for them to oh, wow. restroom and, and uh, uh, water and things such as that. So so yeah, there's there's a lot of riding out here done, done that way. It's really a good spot. You've been there 17 and a half years as pastor. Church was organized in, uh, is it 1850? 1850, yes. Sir. Yep, before the Civil War, Logan Logan County. Have you looked back since you've been there or has anybody told you from the, from history, like why did the church? Um, it came from um, Pleasant Hill and Union Baptist Church okay. uh, in 1850. I, and I think it was around September, October of that year. Um, I don't, I don't really know a lot of the ins and outs of yeah. the, the foundational history, um, but I do know that um, um, it's had its presence here in this community since that time. And there is a a book called "The Heavens Are Weeping," and uh, it was written by a uh, Methodist circuit preacher uh, during the Civil War. It is his journal. And uh, it tells a lot about the Almstead area and uh, Watermelon Road and things such as that. And uh, this church has had a, you know, a, a, a presence and an influence in this in this rural area for, for quite a while. Well, Ben Stratton's going to join me in a couple of weeks. And so we'll, I'll have to ask Ben about 
uh, what what he what he shares. So um, your church started supporting ministry th- or missions through the cooperative program in 1928, and mm-hmm. that year Dripping Springs sent 136 dollars to mission causes cooperatively together. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been given ever since then, but in 2020, church sent more than fifty thousand dollars to uh, cooperative efforts. Why is cooperative program important to the folks at, at to you and then the folks at Dripping Spring? Well, it's because we know that the gospel needs to go to the nations, of course. Uh, that's been our theme here for the last two years is to our neighbors and the nations that all people may know. And while we're located here in a rural area in a rural part of Kentucky, um, we know that the gospel has to go throughout the world. And uh, while we support our local missions, state missions and even here in North America, uh, we know that there's a lot of places you know, across the oceans that that people desperately need to hear the name of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus. And so by supporting missions and missionaries through the cooperative program, we're able to do what Acts 1-8 says. We're able to go to the uttermost parts of the earth uh, from right here in, in Logan County. And, and so those supporting missionaries and missions through that uh, is we feel uh, just a, a very biblical and strong way to take the gospel to the nations wherever that might be. Well, you're you're funding, you're helping to fund thousands of missionaries, and and I'm I'm one of them. And so, on behalf of all of them, I say thank you for your church and your your commitment, Jeff. Best I could tell, worship attendance was about 150 or so when you came there as as yeah. pastor. Is that about right? Pre yeah. pre COVID. Prior to COVID, where how many folks were you were you all gathering on Sunday mornings? You know, I, I just I was thinking about that this morning. The the we were we the last Sunday of 2020 for us before the uh, um, shutdown. Mm-hmm. We we had a 224 in Sunday school and then around three for preaching, 300 for yeah. preaching. Um, and um, you know, we were on that trajectory uh you know at the time but uh you know a lot of things of course have have happened but our church has really by and large um, bounced back very very strongly um uh, and you know our folks have been you know we're eager to get back and and um and uh, still still showing that yeah well, so how does how does Dripping Spring reach new new people? So we're the folks that attend y'all's church. Where do they come from? How far do they drive to to worship with you all? The last uh, I'd say the last four months, um, you know, of 2020 and, and now we've had people coming from Ty County. Of course, we're located on basically the Ty County line as well. You know, Elkton, Kentucky. But a lot of our folks are driving from. Um, other parts of, of the county and, and other areas um, there you know of course like I said you've been out here there's there's not subdivisions around our church we don't mm-hmm. you know, we're you know large cornfields and tobacco barns all over the place big farms they, yeah yeah they uh, uh, there but there are several people out here and so we do have a lot of people here you know in Olmstead that come and uh, and things and we we run a bus route you know especially on Wednesday nights for children and things uh, but most of our folks are coming from the, the Russellville, uh, Todd County, and other surrounding areas um, to uh, to be here. <clears throat> yeah, well, you all have a good you have a good good strong ministry, Jeff. I asked about some folks who've been influences in your life. First Corinthians eleven verse one, the Apostle Paul said, "Follow me as I follow Christ. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ." 
and you mentioned some names. Let me mention these and maybe just tell us kind of what was it about this person that that's been meaningful to you. You mentioned Adrian Rogers as a kind of a, a, a mentor from a distance, a role model. What is it about Dr. Rogers that influences your life and ministry? His his faithfulness, of course, yeah. but his boldness. Um, you know, he wasn't afraid to be himself. And, um, you know, that's that's one thing that I, I, I want to be is, is just to be me. Um, uh, I, I want to be who God has called me to be and what do what God has told me to do. And Adrian Rogers was just one of those guys. And you might remember this well as uh, uh, also that, you know, back during the, the struggle in the convention, you know, yep. over inerrancy and, and other things, you know, we could go on and on about that. You know, he he was not afraid to stand on the Isle of Patmos by himself, um, so to speak. He was he was who he was. And uh, I've always admired that because, you know, no, by no means was anyone a perfect man and he wasn't, but he just had that that strength to stand and to say, you know, no, I'm not going to compromise. I'm not going to go along just to go along. Um, you know, thus saith the Lord is thus saith the Lord. And he left it at that. And uh, uh, that's still I, I love from time to time getting online and listening to some of his his messages. You know. Well, and he also he also stayed he stayed with it. You know, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't give up on his his Southern Baptist Convention kind of church network. He hung in there and said, well, it's worth fighting for. The, that, the missions yes. are worth fighting for. Yes. And he 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 stuck with the fight and the Lord used it. Well, and that's the thing is if if we're unhappy with something in the association, if we're unhappy with something in the state convention or the SBC, then then stay in it and and fight for it. That's right. But fight for it in the right way. Yep. Fight for it in 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 the sense of that, you know, you you can you can disagree without being disagreeable, um, yeah. and and things, but stand where you stand, and and stay with that, and do your best to to influence the people around you, not to come on your side, but to be as biblically faithful as we can possibly be in right. every way. Yeah, that's the I man. That's that's good. That's good counsel, and not not giving up on your uh, what the Lord has um, has called you to, who the Lord's called you to be. Let me mention another one. I may come back to the Southern Baptist uh, part. Jeff, folks from outside our our church families that look at Southern Baptists, they don't really understand who who we are. Mm -hmm. They don't understand that it's 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 your convention because it's about the local church. So local churches decided they wanted to organize together. It's not some hierarchy telling the church what to what to do. So you're you're exactly right. It's your convention and, and for it to go the way that you feel like the Bible would have it go, you have to let your voice be heard. Uh, you mentioned Charles Stanley as another minister that you that you've admired. What what is it about Dr. Stanley? Uh, I enjoyed listening to him of course, but I just love his writings, his books. He uh, I bought this book of his uh, it came out in 1996 called The Glorious Journey, and it's uh, it's it deals with every facet of life and ministry, scripture. It's it's topics that he deals with in four or five pages. Uh, he takes scripture, he takes the topic and, you know, he just elaborates on it or he commentates on it in a way that that has helped me. I mean, everything from depression to end times to church growth, to discipleship, you know,
Yeah. Well, he's a good good writer, good preacher, man. It's really it really hung in there. Yeah. You also mentioned some guys who are more local that have meant a lot to you, uh, and you referenced Bob Morrison just a while ago that you've had over to to preach. I've known Bob for a long time, uh, former director of missions when they were yes. called that at Little Bethel over in Madisonville. What is it about Brother Bob or his ministry that that has been helpful to you? Bob was is and was someone that. He and I could, we could disagree. And I mean, we could disagree, disagree, but we could go to lunch tomorrow. Yeah. Especially if he buy, if he bought, you yeah. know. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is Bob helped me, has helped me a lot of times see some things that maybe I didn't want to see, but he's also given me some things to, to uh, think about and to try to understand that maybe now Bob is biblically sound. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's not a question of, of of you know whether the scriptures inerrant or this that what have you. It was just uh, our understandings of something may have been you know different uh, and things. But uh, uh, I just I loved being able and was always you know able to call him up. I would be in the middle of preparing a message and I would be I don't want to say stuck, but you know what I'm saying. You get to that mm -hmm. point you're thinking, okay, how can I better elaborate this or how can I better illustrate and I'd call Bob up and, uh, you know, he would he would help me see some things and uh, and hopefully I helped him see some things as well. And uh, something else about him that I always love too. he and I are both Louisville Cardinal fans. Is there there's a, there's a few of those. I forgot about I forgot about that. You're a big UVL, UVL yeah. fan. Um, you also mentioned Steve Rutherford, who's at Salem Baptist in Nortonville and been there a good while. Do you know how many yes. years he's been at Salem, Salem Baptist? Twenty one. I think it's his 21st year. Yeah. yeah. What is it about Brother Steve? Just kind of in reference back to like Adrian Rogers, he's just Steve. Yeah. He, he's not afraid to be who he is and he stands where he stands, but uh, he can still, you know, um, disagree with you or not see the same saying, see things the way that you do, uh, but he can still sit and have lunch with you. Yeah. And um, the first revival that we ever had here at Dripping Spring that uh, I was pastor was in March of 2004, and uh, Steve preached it. It was a scheduled revival Sunday morning through Thursday night. On that Tuesday night, he preached a message about the rich young ruler. And I still remember the three points, his longing, his lacking, and his loss. Well, and at invitation time, 16 people came forward to be saved that night. Wow. And um, I was leading them to the Lord. He was leading them to the Lord. And uh, that week, we had some 30 professions of faith extended it by one or two nights that week and um he is he's just yeah. a pre he's just a preacher that is unashamed and yep. uh, of the gospel and just is who he is and I, i've just admired him and his friendship and appreciated his ministry for quite a while good solid pastor rural yeah. community yeah. um uh, i mean you know most of kentucky is rural period yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's he just hung in there and had really good ministry. Man, I appreciate you mentioning those guys. Hey, we've talked a little bit about the Southern Baptist Convention. So you're you're part of the SBC. You go to the annual meeting every year if you if you can. I'm sure you plan to be in Nashville yeah. this year at the convention. What do you see as the biggest threat right now to our cooperative effort? Well, as much as anything, I think you know the the fight years ago over at Aaronsey. Uh, was you know it it happened and it we've been living with that now for for a while and and um, you know people like Adrian Rogers stood where they stood and 
got us where we where we are. Yeah. But uh, I do think that there are some factions of liberalism um, and um, this woke movement and things. You know, I'm I'm really concerned about uh, who's going to pastor churches in the years to come, and and what kind of you know ministries you know are we going to have in these churches uh, in in days to come because SBC is wonderful and I, I'm a Southern Baptist. I pray though that we we stay the course with the with scripture as as we have in the in the past, but that we don't deviate from um, the the things that are clearly spelled out. And I, I just I pray that the the, the convention at large We'll see it. We'll see the churches as they really are. There's, you know, I don't. You could probably tell me better than what I can remember off the top of my head. How many churches are run less than a hundred per Sunday? Most. And, yeah, yeah, most. Yeah. Uh, I think there are eighty-three percent of pastors in Kentucky Baptist Convention bivocational. Is that right? Uh, uh, in, in KBC, the last research we did, which is not one hundred percent accurate, but we, we discovered at least sixty to sixty-five percent of KBC churches are bivocational. But we had a term for bivocational, meaning they actually had another job. We really right. weren't including student pastors or guys who retired right. who had an extra extra income. Yeah, hey, you're, you're, your friend and mine, Butch Day, just chimed in on my cell phone <laughs> as what he believes the problem in, in SB, SBC life. So, hey, I've heard this, and you see if you agree. In fact, Dr. Chitwood has said it. I think Ronnie Floyd's saying the same same thing. In Southern Baptist history, anytime we're talking about anything besides the Great Commission, we're always fussing about something. Absolutely. Yeah. Anytime that we deviate from why we're why we are here as churches, as yeah. Christians, and and as a convention, when we get away from that as the main focal point and reason, then then we we've lost our way. Uh, we we're we're going the going down the wrong path. I, I believe that there are always social issues and political issues that are yep. we we can't ignore and we can't right. wash our hands of. But in the forefront of it all, regardless of what we're facing and battling, it has to be that people know that Jesus is the savior of all mankind. Jeff, There's I think another name under heaven. You're an example here and and I hope to be one as well. So one of the things that we care about, we've cared about the last two weeks is this gambling bill, Senate oh. Bill 120 that went that went through. And it's a disappointment yeah. to me that our elected leaders chose to defend Very. or to to Very. give way to the gambling industry industry is my way of viewing it. We expressed ourselves on that. I think we expressed ourselves very, very clearly on it. But our mission is to make disciples of all the nations. That's, that, right. that's that's our big job. And these other things need to be addressed. They're 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 not unimportant. They're in fact, no. they're, they're, racism is very important. Our our uh, Baptist faith message tells us to address it, and the Bible tells us to. Proverbs thirty one nine tells us to speak up for those who are who are oppressed. Abortion matters. KBC is giving a lot of attention to abortion. And at the same time, we're called to go make disciples of all the nations. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. And, so if uh, you were if you were SBC president, oh my. <laughs> let's see if Butch chimes in on this one as well. What would you um, what would you what, what would be important to you? How would you try to lead us as a convention of churches? Just like what we had, had spoken about the, the Great Commission um, in the name escapes me. The guy that uh, was pastor at First Baptist Daytona 
several years ago. Um, yeah. Oh, he, he sent out the DVDs trying to oh, yeah, baptize Bob, Bobby Welch. Or, That's it. Yes, yeah. yes. He, yeah. he uh, and I remember watching the DVD about, you know, his his goal, his hope, his desire, his push for Southern Baptist to baptize a million people in one year. And, uh, you know, we didn't reach that goal. But but, you know, what I appreciated about that was it was it was evangelistic in in the call to the cross, the call to the gospel, the call to repentance. Yeah. And that is that is the one area in which I feel Southern Baptist, Kentucky Baptist, Logan Todd Baptist, we've got to keep in the forefront. Sure, there, there are workings and ministries that have to have attention and have to have address uh, to them, but it's got to be about knowing or telling people who Jesus is and what he's done. Yeah, well, amen. So um, let me move on here. A lot of pastors will join and some are listening right now. So several things about pastoral leadership. Pastors learn best from other from other pastors, guys who are in the trenches doing the work every every day. I'm convinced every pastor who is faithfully discharging his calling has something to say to everybody else who's trying to be, yeah. a, be a pastor. So let me ask you a few questions about pastoral leadership and ministry. You've been at, um, at Dripping Spring for 17 and a half years. How do you stay fresh in a long tenured assignment? When you've been somewhere for a while, how do you stay fresh and energized about getting up every day, every Sunday, and doing the job? Well, I, the first thing I do is, is you know, I, I place a high priority on getting prepared to preach. Um, I stay fresh in that I begin preaching now through books of mm -hmm. the Bible, expositional preaching. We started in John back in 2018. We're now in the book of Acts on Sunday morning. And I've been preaching to the minor prophets on Sunday nights now mm -hmm. for quite a while and uh, and things. The the longer you stay somewhere, the harder you do have to work. Right. Uh, you know, it, I know that may not sound like, um, you know, pastors work, you know, preachers work. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, you do have to work, you know, at it. But I come in every Monday morning and I start on Monday morning preparing for Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, and I'll work on that outline, I'll work on that message, I'll read, I'll type, I'll jot notes all day and sometimes wait on into the evening and the night. I want to get Sunday. I want Sunday morning preparation. I do the same thing on Tuesdays for Sunday nights. Yeah. And uh, and, and I do the same thing on Wednesdays for Wednesdays. But uh, staying fresh is, of course, listening to other preachers preach. Mm -hmm. uh, Who do you listen who, who do you listen to? I mean, you mentioned Adrian Rogers and Charles Stanley. Anybody else that you're listening to right now, Jeff? Uh, Jerry Chaddock, of yep. course. Uh, Herb Revis. Um, I have when when I get an opportunity, I like to go and hear uh, other pastors here locally. Uh, the last Sunday of the year, my wife and I went to uh, um, Sharon Grove Baptist Church over in Todd County. Uh, Chris Skipworth's pastor there. Yeah, is that Roger's like, son? I'm sorry. Is that Roger's son? That's Roger's son, yes. Yeah. Roger used to pastor that church as well. I thought he did, yeah. Um, so I like to listen to all different kinds of styles. Uh, Herschel York preached in our conference yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Uh, Kyle preached one of the best messages you'll ever hear at our conferences, our conference a couple of weeks ago. So I, I just, I, I love being, taking the opportunities to be fed as well. And um, that helps 
to keep me fresh, uh, yeah. as fresh as I could be, I guess. Preachers are the best group in the world to preach to because every preacher needs to hear a good needs to hear a good message. Jeff, in any any congregation, you could ask the you could ask the church what's most important to this pastor, and the, and they know if you've been there for a while, they know what's most important to you. What would the folks at Dripping Springs say is most important to you as a pastor? What's your focus? What are you trying to get accomplished? Well, I, I would hope that it would be uh, preaching the gospel. Um, yeah. And, and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not just preaching it, but sharing it. Um, not just from the pulpit, but on a you know one-on-one -on -one personal uh, encounter with, with people. Um, that's that's always been my, my main objective. Uh, I know that pastoring requires a lot of other things, and, and I'll be perfectly honest with you, I, I don't have all of this figured out, and I don't I don't do all of this uh, perfectly or, or right all the time and there's there's probably been times when i have been slack or or not as uh efficient in in some areas besides preaching and things um and you know you have to learn from that and and um you know your, your folks need ministering to and um, it's been more difficult here in this last year uh, of course but uh, uh i would hope that it would be that they know that i preach the gospel and that i would want to share the gospel yeah, I think that's very. I think it's very plain. You you make a priority of, of preaching and and evangelism as well. I'm looking up something here. If I look if I look like I'm distracted a little bit. So when it comes to to purity, personal purity, um, pastor must be above reproach. The Bible demands that you carry a good name in the church and the community, and part of that's connected to your personal purity. Billy Graham, the evangelism team, early in their ministry, put together what's called the Modesto Manifesto. Yes. I'm going to read it. Yes. I'm going to read it to you. Here's what they agreed would be important to them long term. And they came to this because they saw other evangelists, their failures in ministry and becoming disqualified. He said that they said we will never criticize, condemn or speak negatively about others. We will be accountable, particularly in handling finances with integrity, according to the highest business standards. We will tell the truth and be thoroughly honest especially in reporting statistics. In fact, they got to where they stopped. I think they stopped reporting numbers uh, of, because they didn't want it to be exaggerated. And we will be exemplary in morals, clear, clean, and careful to avoid the very appearance of any impropriety. Right. And that ministry was able to maintain integrity throughout his 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 life and, and beyond. What are some things that you've put in practice as a pastor or that you've seen others do that you admired? One thing that I, I do is I always try to watch my behavior uh, around women, but also I don't ride in a car by myself with, a, with another woman. Um, you know, I know Billy Graham, he wouldn't ride in an elevator with another woman uh, by himself and things. I don't go to lunch with ladies <laughs> by myself uh, and things. Um, so I, I've always tried to to be aware of that. And, and also, uh, from a financial standpoint, um, I don't, I never ask our treasurer or financial administrator, you know, what kind of money did we bring in? I don't, I don't know who gives what. I don't want to know who gives what. Right. Uh, I want people to know that, you know, I'm, um, I want to be trustworthy. Uh, yeah. I want them to, to know that. But, uh, but as far as purity and things of that nature, um, I just always try to be very, uh, mindful of behavior uh, and and words around around uh, other ladies because yeah. uh, you know I, I would want and expect that from men around my wife and daughters my mother and yeah. mother-in-law and things such as that but 
you know, that that's the main thing. And, you know, so many, so many guys can fall that way. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it can, it can happen. But I remember years and years ago, I remember listening to a talk radio show and I was sad to hear that Rush Limbaugh passed away. Yeah, today. Heard it, just uh, heard it a while ago. Uh, but I remember listening to a talk radio show years ago and it wasn't him, but it was a woman that actually, uh, was, was, uh, doing this talk show and she made a, she was having, it was something around mother's day. Uh, she was having a special program. It, she came on before rush did. So that's why I was listening to it. And uh, with this one lady called in and she was talking about her mother and her father and et cetera. And they were going through the father's things. He had passed away and long, long story short. She asked, you know, mother said, you know, mother, was there ever a time when you or dad were unfaithful to one another? And she said, oh no, honey. no, we, we never were unfaithful to one another and uh you know reassured her and you know and things of that nature and uh the lady said she she spoke to her daughter and when she when she was speaking to her daughter she said the one thing that helped me and the one thing that helped your father to stay faithful to one another is that we never put ourselves in a position yeah. to be unfaithful yeah. to them so you know that's what i want i don't want to put myself in a position to ever have that either accused or to especially never have that happen yeah. Jeff, that's just wisdom. You know, folks, uh, folks ridiculed our um, former president, Mike Pence, when he stated his approach to pure personal purity and indicate, you know, is he just so weak he can't stand to be around a person of the, of the opposite sex? And that's that's just not the issue. But it's what no. you just said. Don't just don't put yourself in a place. Man, I gave up I gave up drugs and alcohol a long time ago. And um, the best way for me to to never get drunk again is to never drink alcohol again. That's and, exactly right. Yes. So, yes. Um, avoid, avoid the situation that make that can make you fall. Hey, um, so building Dripping Spring is currently in a building program. Mm -hmm. How did it come about that you all decided to build a building? Was it a, a a vision or something that you saw that was a need? And if so, how did you lead the congregation to get to a place of unity in that in that project? It was it was both. Um, I would love. There's there's a lot of new ministries that I would love to see, you know, begin here uh, and, and things um, not necessarily new, but just uh, strengthen uh, ministries. And, and of course, yes, some new. But when we built the current worship facility that we're in now back in 07, they were already kind of talking about that when I got here. But, uh, uh, you know, it, it, it took a few years to get to get done this uh, latest pr uh, project. Uh, new ministries building it, it's going to include a children's wing a new youth worship area and it's going to have a gymnasium and um with with that what we have a vision of doing is is ministering in ways that right now our current facilities won't allow us to um, but it will also enable us to do some things that we hope will help the community at large uh not just our local church uh and and things as well so it's it's really you know it's exciting to see and um uh, we're, we're praying for our youth pastor whoever he is yep. and wherever he's at and um, knowing that he's going to have a big part in that and um uh, the ministries and work that goes on in there and so it's it's really um a vision and a hope of really touching our community in more ways well, Jeff, the you know the right guy that's willing to come plant his family in in that part of the western part of the state where you are be, would be well served in in a, in, a, in a good church. He could have a good ministry for a long time. Let me ask you about some of the challenges of ministry. So if it was easy, everybody'd want to do it, right? Yeah, yeah. And 
one of the things I'll every time I preach for a pastor, I'll I'll usually ask folks to encourage your pastor whenever you can that ministry is hard work. It's not hard work like cutting tobacco or mining coal, but there's a spiritual warfare element to ministry that's yeah. not found in those other other jobs. And so you carry a burden for a church, which you love to do because you're you're called there. But how do you handle criticism? I mean, uh, not not uh, being negative about church members. Sometimes folks are just critical. How do you handle it when you receive some criticism about your your ministry? A lot of times, I would say a vast majority of times, no matter what the criticism is, no matter how outlandish I might think that it it might be or too much, there's probably some elements and grains of truth to it. Uh, and so, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to do as Paul said, let a man examine himself. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, that's where I remember my mother told me a long time ago, you can either stay humble or God will humble you. And. Yeah. So, you know, sure, every pastor is going to receive criticism, and sometimes I've deserved it. Sometimes yeah. it's it's been they've been spot on. I may not like how it was delivered or how it was given, but but the, it was the truth and and things. But you know, I've I've always tried to think of it in this way. You know, it's a it's a learning experience for me, but it's also one of those things that, you know, I'm, I'm a flawed human being. Yep. I have my troubles and my issues, and I never need to get to the point where I feel I'm above criticism. Now, if I'm criticized in the wrong way at the wrong time for the wrong reason, that's different. But, you know, there there's always some grains of truth to to criticism. And, um, you know, uh, you know, I've had times like that here. But I always want to try to re reach out to those folks and and connect again and 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 do what I can to make the situation right. Um, if uh, you know the spiritual warfare of pastoring, um, you know I can't describe it. You know it in in many respects, but you you can't describe it. It's just and and so um, I'm 49 years old. And I by no means have it all figured out, and by no means do I do it all right, you know, all the time. Jeff, you said that you said that twice, and I, I forgot to mention it the first time. And the Lord's the Lord's never going to have us in a ministry where we have it all figured out. I mean, we are we are walking on water, people, and you can't walk yes. on water without dependence on Jesus. And so He's always going to have us in a place where we're completely dependent on Him. Absolutely. And what we did at the last place might not work at this place, and we still have to come back fresh with him. I love what you said about critics. So you, um, if I mention this leader's name, everybody would know him. He refused to retaliate when criticized and he was criticized a lot. He refused to retaliate and he tried to turn critics into coaches. And I heard you saying that same, that same thing. Maybe there's a kernel of truth in what they're saying. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not being perceived the way I really, I really right. am. And so yeah, we try to learn from his, his critics, but I think he also understood that they don't know the whole story. You know, they, they know what they see, they know what they've heard or what they've read, but they they may not know the whole the whole thing, which causes us to want to have some mercy. Have um, Let's talk about conflict. Have you ever had a time when you've had to um, lean into conflict, either in the church at large or with some church members where you've had to help, or just some friends that you've had to help them work through? Uh, how, how, how have you helped folks address conflict or deal with conflict? been a few times and uh, thankfully during those times um, 
uh, we've had two, our last two youth pastors here have been tremendous helps to me. Uh, Jared Patrick, who is now the current pastor at Southern Heights in Russellville. Yeah. Yep. Um, he was with us about five years ago. He, uh, he came in, I think, 2011 and stayed to 2015. And then Blake Sapp, who's now the new youth pastor at um, uh, First Baptist Bowling Green. Yep. Uh, both of those guys, uh, younger than me um, and, uh, and things, but both of those guys really helped me with some situations and some circumstances that I, by myself, like, you know, what I'm currently right now, I really don't know what I would have done without them in, in many respects. And so, uh, yes, I've had to, to dive into that and, and, and to get into that. Um, but I also know that there's only so much that I can do as well. Uh, I need to you know, speak truth and be, be uh, diligent in that. But, you know, ultimately, if situations or circumstances are going to get fixed, God, yes, has to do it. But the people have to be willing to do it as well yeah. uh, in things. And so, um the few times that I've had to really get hardcore, so to speak, into trying to resolve a conflict, there have been two fabulous guys here that have really helped me through the years. Man, that's awesome. And just just the fact that you didn't have to go through it by yourself means means a lot. And that's good counsel for anybody who's having to work through church conflict. Is if you have a if you have a good confidant who can go alongside you and be a friend to you through it, pray with you. That can be super helpful. Hey, uh, so we're we're still in COVID. We've been in COVID for a long time. We're coming up on our one year anniversary of of, of COVID. Jeff, this uh, this Facebook thing started during COVID, and because yeah. of it, and it we're we're still going. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians one verse twelve and following. He said the things that have happened to to me, which meant his imprisonment, have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Right. Do right. you do you believe COVID will prove to turn out for the furtherance of the gospel? Yes, and I, I, I hope I hope yes, and I hope that it continues. Uh, that may be the better way of saying it. Um, I never had a Facebook page until COVID. Right. Uh, and, you know, again, going back with, with Blake, he was here at the time. Man, I don't know what we would have done, uh, you know, a year ago if, if I, you know, he'd not been here to help me with some of this technology stuff. I am a lost ball in high weeds when it comes to technology on a lot of things, and he is – he, he really helped in a, in a great way, but it has also helped pastors, myself and others, to be more visible with the gospel. Not that people want, we want people to see us, but we want, we want the gospel to be visibly uh, uh, heard on and verbally heard on online. And so I'm, I'm thinking that through this, that yes, this is going to be a, a big help uh, in, in many respects. Well, I think it will. It has been and, and will. So I've talked to a pastor this week. I won't call his name or the circumstances, but through his Facebook ministry preaching, uh, one one person who lives in another country that he had connected with earlier has received the Lord. One Amen. person who lives in another state has received the Lord, and both seem like solid conversions. So yes. that's that's exciting. I mean, we have we have more evangelists all over the all over Facebook every Sunday than probably ever has been been before you, you mentioned your conversion so jesus said let the little children come to me do not hinder them because of your profession of faith at age six and then felt like you were converted later at age 10 how do you work with children to make sure that or to, to at least be reasonably sure that they have an understanding of the gospel their 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 profession is real well i never want to talk any child into it right but also at the same time i don't want to talk them out of it and so I, what I try to do is just present the gospel, 
with as you know a simple explanation as I know how. But in all reality, isn't that really the way that's supposed to be with all ages? Mm -hmm. You know, but but to to present the gospel as basic and as simple as as I can, and and just allow that that child to make the decision for him or herself. Um, but also, um, uh, sometimes I'll tell parents, you know, they'll they'll talk with me, and you know, sometimes children. I, I've used this illustration before. It's kind of like driving to Florida. From where I'm at, you got to go through Tennessee. You got to go through Alabama. You got to go, you know, into Florida. Some kids are in Alabama mm -hmm. on the way to, to believing. Some yeah. kids are still in Tennessee and some are still here in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is, is that, you know, they, um, they're asking questions. They're doing all these things. And so you want to see where they're at and you want to help them along. And sometimes they're already in Florida. They just need to cross the line, uh, cross yeah. over to the, to the, um, you know, the vacation spot, so to speak. And so um, that's what I wish I do with, with children is just uh, never talk them into it, but never yeah. talk them out of it as well. Well, that's 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 a good it's a good analogy. So we are there's three three groups of people right now that churches are ministering to. There are those who are coming. They're showing up for the in-person services. There are those who are being careful. They are probably following you on your Facebook Live or your stream, whatever you're doing. But for whatever reason, they just don't feel like pre-existing conditions, their own health. They don't want to be with a group of people right now. But there's a third group that I've heard referred to as church lazy. And so uh, they're, they're doing everything else in the world. They're just not showing up for worship services. They're not being careful anywhere else except for their Sunday morning church attendance. I'm assuming that Dripping Spring may have a couple of those like every other church in Kentucky. How are you addressing, encouraging, or discipling that group of people right now? What are you doing to try and help them to get back on track? Well, to be honest with you, I'm, that's probably an area that I've not done very well at. Um, When you, we talked about the spiritual warfare a few moments ago. That's one of the hard things for a pastor to, to see is COVID, however you want to look at it, think about it. COVID has uh, opened some doors for a lot of things and for a lot of people. And um, it's, it's hard to see people go about their daily lives for a lot of, in a lot of different ways. They'll go to work, they'll go here coming to church it's it's different and you know that's that's hard it's hard yes, to see uh, well obviously uh, it's hard it's hard for you you don't want to be critical i mean just no, no. watching your answer you don't want to be critical of these people but you you're a shepherd jeff and you love these folks and you know that every sunday that they go without connecting to the congregation whether it's through the facebook service or in person that they're damaging their their walk with the lord and potentially damaging their their family and potentially long term Dr. Gray, I'm telling you, I, I, I think this COVID stuff has set a lot of churches and a lot of people on a trajectory that it's going to be hard for them to get off of uh, if, if they're not careful. Um, you know, with, with this COVID stuff, you know, I I probably don't need to say a whole lot about that because I, I've got my own feelings and thoughts on it, but sure. I mean, I know that it's real. I'm not. It's not. Right. I'm, not I'm not saying anything about a hoax or you know. It's it's not that. It's just that. Uh, and if you would have if you would have told me ten years ago in 2011 that there would be a discussion, a battle, or a uh, disagreement about wearing masks yeah. to church, yeah. I would have 
I would have laughed at you, uh, yeah. you know, and, and not just mask. I'm talking the whole the whole thing that 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 uh, COVID encompasses. It's just so many things, and it's um, you know, there have been times I broke down and cried. Yeah, um, I just have, and yeah. and sometimes for no reason, but per se. But you know, one day I come home and and um, I was talking to Dana and you know some, about some things, and and I just I just broke down. I said, yeah. I, you know, I, I I don't know what to do. Sometimes I don't, and um, you know that's where learning to lean more and more on the Lord and and just trusting Him. It's all we can do, and I just uh, I pray that, and and I I do want to challenge pastors and churches this, and I know we're we're probably about done, you know. Hopefully this will all one day end. Yeah. But my question is for a lot of people, what's it going to take for it to end? Yeah. Who are you going to have to hear from, and what are you going to have to uh, learn before you can quote go back to normal? You know, and um. Yeah. That's 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 one of the things that pastors and the churches, people everywhere are dealing with. You know, is Jeff, you're you're blessed to be at Dripping Spring. They're they're yes. blessed to have you as a shepherd. Kentucky uh-huh. Baptists are blessed to have you and and pastors like you serving churches. I I appreciate the way you've handled the COVID challenges. I've I've watched you through them and, and walked with you and talked to you multiple times. You've made decisions every week. And you've done what you felt was best for the church and best for God's calling on um, on your congregation. So, man, I just want to say I'm grateful for you. Thank you, Thank you for your ministry. Thank you for joining me joining me here. And I want to say a prayer for you uh, before we cut loose. My guess is one of your biggest prayers right now is you need a, you need a youth minister or student minister. Come over into Dripping Spring and help us. <laughs> church of the Live is worth worth the drive. Let's let's pray for that guy right now. Okay. All right. Father God, thank you for your calling. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for Brother Jeff. Thank you for uh, all those years ago, 2003, letting him know that Dripping Spring was where he needed, needed to be and for the grace for him to say yes and for you to use him in that church. Thank you for that great congregation and, and how they and their pastor work well together. Lord, they need a student minister. Uh, Jesus, you said the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we're to pray the Lord of the harvest to send forth laborers into the harvest. We believe there's a harvest that in that Olmstead community and in the surrounding area, a harvest for children and students. And Lord, they need a laborer who would come and help organize the church, who would help provide ministry and direct ministry. So we pray in the name of Jesus that you would lay on a man's heart to go and do that role and that you direct Jeff and the congregation to meet that guy and, and bring them together. We pray this believing in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Jeff, thank you for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Leadership Lessons. This program is made possible by the generous contributions by Kentucky Baptist through the cooperative program. For more information about the Kentucky Baptist Convention, go to kybaptist.org. And for news about how Kentucky Baptist churches are making a difference, go to kentuckytoday.com.